Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time, whether you're watching online for the first time or you're in person with us. We are so glad that you're here. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why I know that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So make sure you check us out a few times, and hopefully we can be your spiritual family. If you are watching online right now, we're so glad that you're with us. Do us a favor. Uh, like, comment, share, ask some questions, have some conversation in the comments. It's great to help us get through some of the algorithms and social media, and uh, you can let people know. If you're in here right now, come on, make some noise. You're inside church and having some person. And... Uh, Man, it's been great. Do me a favor. Go ahead and take your phone out. You know, can I have a phone in church? Yes, you can have your phone in church. And uh, you can open up uh, Facebook, check in, let people know you're here, or also open up the Bible app. I give you my notes ahead of time so you know where I'm going, and so uh, it'll be awesome. Today we are uh, in the second part of our vision series talking about seeing what God is doing. And how many all know that, that there are some things that God does, and if we're not paying attention, we can miss it. In fact, Proverbs Chapter 29 actually says it like this. It says if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And I believe that there are a lot of godly people, a lot of Christian people, a lot of people who profess the name of Christ and love the Lord, but they, they're stumbling not because they don't love God. They're stumbling because they can't see what God is doing. And then at the same time, how many of y'all feel so inundated with negativity and fear and anxiety and worry and what's going to happen in the election and what's going to happen in the pandemic and what's going to happen in the economy? There's so much negativity, and I believe an attack on the, from the enemy on his people that we can miss out that God's doing something too. And so part of the reason we're in this vision series is I'm just here to remind you that the church is alive. Like, we ain't dead. The thing, this didn't take us out. By the way, this isn't the first pandemic that the church had to live through. That it made it. That you're going to make it. Somebody needed to hear that today. You're going to make it. That the church is going to make it. That God's doing something. And when we attend to what he reveals, when we see it, some translations say we're going to be blessed. And so we're going to talk about that, what God's doing in our life and in, in the life of our church. And we opened up with really the kind of the, the key verses for our series in Exodus chapter number six. And Exodus is a story of the Israelites leaving Pharaoh and being um, being 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 released and being freed from the 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 the, the idea of slavery. And, you know, you don't even have to be a Christian in here to know about that. You probably saw the Charlton Heston movie where he walked up, right? And he was Moses and he had a big red, you know, dress on. And he's like, and he said the famous thing. What did he say? He said, let my, come on, y'all know it. Let my, that's it. You didn't, you, that's not how he would say it. Let my people, he would have shouted it. He said, let my, yeah, he would have been pretty passionate about it. And so he walked up and so, so Pharaoh winds up letting his people go. And, 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 and before that, Moses has a moment and a conversation with God because it's not going to plan. And in Exodus chapter 6, God reveals his way of growing people. Those people, you people, me people, those people, all people. He reveals his four-step process, his four promises in Exodus chapter number 6. And he says it like this. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. This first promise, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to free you from being slaves then he says, I'm going to free you from being slaves to them. 
Sounds kind of odd because it sounds redundant. We're going to talk about that. And he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. In verse 7, he says, that's promise 3 and then promise 4. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then you will know that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of under the yoke of Egyptians. By the way, God doesn't have an identity problem. He knows exactly who he is. The, the problem with some of us is that we, we think God wonders who he is. It's not God wondering who he is. We sometimes forget who he is. So sometimes we just got to be reminded that God is God. He can do anything. That God is God and he's bigger than anything. That God is God and he can actually take a step and part the, the God. You need to hear this. The God that parted the Red Sea all those years back is alive. He's well. He's not worried. And he's got the power to part your Red Sea. He just, he just is. So he's alive. The church is alive. God's doing good. And we actually recapped a four-step process with this, this kind of table. And by the way, spoiler alert, I'm going to give this table to you to take home at the end of the series so you can have it and understand how God does it. And so he helps people. And so in last week we talked about, in verse 1, I'm going to bring you out, which was the, the, one of the four. We talked about lines up with the four cups of the Jewish Seder or the celebration of the Passover that they do every year, even to this day. They drink four cups of wine. How many of y'all want to sign up for that? You're like, that sounds good. There's wine involved. Great. So four cups of wine. They drink the first cup as the cup of sanctification. That's getting lost people, celebrating lost people being saved. You need to know that's a part of our vision. Our first step for everybody is lost people getting saved. Because how many of y'all know you weren't born saved? Even though you would, you've been, look, you probably known God and had a relationship with him since Abraham was on this earth. I get it. You don't remember a time you weren't, but you did not, you were not born that way. You had to make a decision to follow him. And so we sell out on the weekend for people to know God. We call that step knowing God. You see, that's the first step. It aligns with God's first promise and his first process for people. It all starts, all these other steps don't make any sense unless you can do this step. Because you can't have freedom if you don't know the God of freedom. And you can't have purpose unless you know the God of purpose. And you can't have a, make a difference if you know the God of... Di- Come on. you, you got to know the God who makes a difference. It all starts with, with step one. Today, we're going to be in step two, which is the step after you get right in your eternity with Christ. And as that is our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, that today you have a word for us. You have a, you have a step for all of us to take corporately. And I, I know... At the same time, you have a step for all of us to take personally. Today is your day. Holy Spirit, have your way. This is your time to shine and your time to speak. We pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, I love talking to new Christians. I love it. They, they have the best questions. I like talking to kids who are just learning about Christ. They have the best questions. If you can explain... God to a kid, you can typically explain God to anybody because they think so um, one dimensionally and so basic that you and I realize if you've ever talked to a new Christian or a kid about God, you realize how much religion has complicated it. And I figured out when I was talking to a new Christian, I figured out that there's this great mystery in Christ. And some of us have only been taught the first step. You know, a lot of churches teach the first step. We want to get people saved. We want to get people saved. We want to get people to know God. But, but like we forget all the other steps that you have to take and you assume that the church will just figure it out. But we have to teach it because there's this weird... I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. There's this, it's a mystery 
in Christianity because I don't know if you've went through it. You probably have recently because if, you, if you're a Christian in here, this is for you. If you're not a Christian here, I'm not going to get on you. I'm going to get on the Christians right now because, like, if, you, if, if you're a Christian, you'll notice, like, you can get saved and then just after you get saved, like crying in tears and God's in your life and now he comes to live in you and it happens in an instant. And then you go out into the world and you don't act like it. Right? Like, have you had that part where you, the, I call it the BC version of myself comes out? You know what I'm talking about? Because you, you, you see him on a regular basis. It happens all the time. Um, it happens when I, when I, like, get cut off in traffic. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm confused. Anybody else? Can, like, God, I, I gave my life to you. I'm walking with you. But I, I want to chase that dude down and tell him a few things that have nothing to do with the Bible, right? I want to let him know a few things and get it off my chest. And it'll happen when I, I go to Starbucks and I order my, my grande caramel latte with whip and it costs me $27.95 and I don't mind paying that, right? As long as you fill it to the top. Has anybody got a coffee where you eat, it was like three quarters? You're like, sorry. I need the whole thing. You don't understand. And the BC version comes out. Come on, the redeemed person doesn't come out. When you get sent the wrong food or there's a hair in it, come on, right? Come on, you don't start off with, look, I love Lord. I love, the, I love God and I love Christ. Will you, if thou hath taketh my plaintiff to the backeth and fix this, you'll get more tip. No one says that. It all comes out. The other day I was at a store, and I think this has happened more recently. I've seen it with, with uh, just me and my heart. So this isn't about you. This is just pastoral confession moment. And so I'm, like, in the store, and, like, um, you know, everybody's paranoid. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on, and, I, you know, I'm, I get it. You know, so I'm, like, trying to be, you know, uh, you know, compliant, I guess you could say. But I've just noticed, like, I'm from California, so don't hold that against me. But, like, I'm in Texas now, the land of the free, home of the brave. Like, I feel like... This is God's country, and I'm now Texan. So, like, I don't claim California, just so y'all know. They're like, where are you from? Like, Texas. So, like, I'm from Texas. But I've noticed there's a spirit in Texas, and the only way I can describe it is rebellion. Like, there's just rebellion in Texas. Because if you try to tell a Texan something, almost inevitably what comes out instantly is, don't tell me what to do. Right? Like, you think that whole come and take it thing was just something that was invented. No, no, it's a spirit up in this state. And so I have gone ahead and adopted the spirit. And so I didn't even know it. And I don't know it until someone tells me what to do. So I'm in a store. And there's these stickers on the ground. Have you seen the stickers that are on the ground? And they're the social distance stickers. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Everybody's trying to do something. It don't make no sense to me. But okay, I'm going to stand on the sticker. So I'm standing halfway on the sticker. I thought, that's enough. My foot is touching the sticker. And the lady is... 27 and a half feet away from me so we can social distance the, the cashier. I'm from here and I'm from there. I'm like, nothing can happen between this sp space between us. I'm standing on the sticker and I'm on my phone like most people are waiting in line, you know, because lines are longer and people are angrier and things take forever. So I'm just standing on, I'm on my phone. And I'm, you know, I'm texting my wife and I'm trying to be, you know, let me just, I was reading my Bible. You know, I try to tell people I read my Bible on my phone. You know, I really, I wasn't reading my Bible. I was playing doodle jump or something. So I'm on my playing a game. <laughs> And so I'm standing on the thing. I'm halfway on the thing. I got one foot on the thing. And I hear a, hey. And I'm like, now, I don't know about you. But when someone raises their voice at me, something inside of me goes wonky, right? Anybody else, please tell me I'm not alone. Anybody else? So, like, first of all, you know, like, 
that, that's the kind of thing that comes out of me right away. I'm like, first of all, who's talking to me? You know, because like I'm right, you're wrong. Watch your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to say something, watch your tone. Tone and pitch. Be careful how you talk to me, right? So I'm standing on my line. So I'm like, hey. She's like, sir. I'm like, I know you ain't talking to me. And she said, I need you to stand on the dot. It, I'm telling you, I can't describe to you what came out of me other than the BC version of Aaron. I was not the pastor of Rise Church at that moment. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was at another church. Anyway, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm on the sticker. I'm, I'm touching it. Anybody had this moment? I'm touching it. I'm on the sticker. And then she pushes it again. She goes, please put your mask above it. I'm like, oh. <sighs> and I realized as I walked out of the store, as they were carrying me out. I'm just kidding. I was, as I walked out of the store. I was thinking to myself, I was sitting in the car, and I was like, what was that? Have you ever had that once? What was that moment? Come on, y'all. If we're honest, you had that what? You look back on it, you're like, mm, that wasn't the best thing that I should have done. <laughs> Sorry. I was looking back at that, and I was like, why, why, why did I act like I wasn't saved? Why did I act like I wasn't free from slavery? Why did I act like I still act like a, a, a slave in Egyptian times? Because God says it again, and it kind of sounds weird because he says it in the verse in, in Exodus chapter 6. He says it kind of funny. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to free you. And then he says, but then here's your next step. Then I'm going to free you again. And you're like, God, but you already freed us. And he goes, no, no, no. I got you out of Egypt. Your next step is to get Egypt out of you. You ever wonder why the children of Israel, by the way, if you don't know anything about God like, uh, or the Bible, uh, the children of Israel come out of Egypt and then they don't go to the promised land right away. The reason they didn't go to the promised land right away is they walk around for 40 years. The question you should never really ask yourself is, why do they walk around for 40 years? Because they still had Egypt in you and you can't get to the promised land if you still stuck in your mess. Yeah. And so a lot of people get stuck in Egypt. That could be you right now. And it could be my fault as in pastors, pastoral preaching fault because we teach just get saved and then we say good luck but that's not how God changes people that's not how God gets you to your promised land God takes you through steps of faith not leaps of faith that's Hollywood steps of faith is Bible so 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 if God has a step for you it's not just freeing you from your oppression of slavery of sin it's now getting sin up out of you because the longer you were enslaved the longer you walked around in sin, that stuff still has remnants inside of your soul. That's why when you go to Starbucks, you lose your mind when they get your order wrong. Because God's working on what they call biblical theology, which is called like regular and ongoing sanctification. You have an ongoing sanctification that's happening in your life. He's trying to clear up some stuff that's jacked up, right? In your heart. And so what God was saying is, I got to teach free people to be free. Because you can't get to your future until you deal with your past. Um, it it's even happens nowadays. It, studies show that half the people that get released from prison go back in the first three years of their release because they didn't get Egypt out of them. Come on. So there's a, there's a level of our life that if we don't understand the, the mess that's in our life and the wounds that we have and, and the slavery mindsets that we have, you're destined to repeat them. 
So God said, I'm going to free you from slavery, and then I'm going to teach you how to be freed people. That's what the law was, by the way. Some people look at the law in a negative way, like all the rules and regulations and Leviticus, and they're like, we're free from the law. You need to know that the law was sent as an extension of grace. The law was designed to teach people how to be God's people because they were slaves. They They had to teach them how to eat. They had never had to make their own decision for eating. They had to teach them how to be married. They didn't understand what biblical marriage in context looked like under God. They had to teach them how to parent. They had to teach them what to wear. They had to teach them how to walk, how to treat people, how to talk. How to, do you see it now? It seems so rigid to us because we're in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And don't tell me anything. But to them, you got to remember, they were just released from slavery. And they were wandering around going, how do we do this thing called freedom? So it was God's extension of grace and what they even do now, the Jewish people even do now, they celebrate it with the second cup that they drink called this cup of deliverance. Why? Because God not just delivered them physically, they delivered them spiritually and emotionally and, and, and come on, and mentally and, and come on, all that stuff that happens on the inside that makes you be the BC version of yourself. Right. And so he's working on you and he's, 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 doing a, a regular sanctification. Better way to look at it is I kind of made a little table. That first cup, that cup of sanctification, that happens in an instant. It's so easy to give your life to God. And anytime I tell people that, the religious folk get nervous. They start squirming. God, pastor, don't make it that easy. No, it is that easy. Well, they should, they should live right first. No, 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 no. You missed it. You got the steps out of order. You, 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 fell into the, you fell into the camp. If you just tell them to sin, they'll stop doing it. And that never true for your life, so they don't work. Because yeah. you know what sin is, and you still do it. So, so you, you got to remember, it's easy. It's almost uncomfortably easy. In fact, it is uncomfortably easy to give your life to God. It's unfair to you, and it's unfair to God. It's unfair because people can do it so easily, and it's, it's, you're, just, you're, you're bothered by it, but it's that easy. Yes, God's that good. And it deals with your eternity. In fact, Paul talks about it in Ephesians in the letter to the church at Ephesus. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. By his grace, not your grace. His grace. And then you can't, so here's why. So you can't take credit. Because the moment you take credit, you start walking around want you to know I'm that good we all do it pride gets up in you and you never stay where you're supposed to be he says it's a gift from God but the second cup the cup of deliverance this is a process this is something that doesn't happen overnight this is harder this is actually a deals with deals with your 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 present life quality so God takes care of your eternity but this cup this cup deals with how you're going to be in this earth right now and this cup's super important. And in fact, Paul even talks about it at the church of Philippi. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Not work hard for your salvation. That's already done. He says, since it's already done, you need to work hard to show that you're obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working inside of you. There's something happening and you got to work hard and you got to start taking steps to being sanctified because you are sanctified and being set apart. That's what that word sanctified. You got to be set apart and you don't do it to make sure you're better than others. You do it because that's what God's people do. That's who we are. That's what the family does. And so he says this, this, this cup, 
is so important. Don't miss it. And if you're stuck in just the rigmarole of going to church every weekend and that's enough, it won't be. Because God didn't design you to take one step. He wanted you to take four. And so I want to be committed as a church and as a pastor and as an organization, as a spiritual family, to help people take their step towards God and what God has for their life. If that's the truth, then I want to share with you in the time we have left, I want to share with you how to get saved people free. That's our next step in the table that we had, getting, step, getting saved people free. Freed and how we call it finding freedom. We want to help people not just know God. Their next step is to find freedom. Do you see it? Step two. Here's how we do that. Here's how we help people find freedom. Here's our strategy. We want to re- we want to create relational group environments where people can experience family. So there's this there's this kind of weird, um, you know, they kind of feel like opposite, but they're not. We want the church to grow larger and smaller at the same time. Which means we want, we want the church in the, uh, on the weekend service, just so you know, a, a life-giving, healthy church should be growing on a regular basis. Like there should be, numbers matter. Like I always laugh at people like, numbers shouldn't matter. You shouldn't care about numbers. That's not biblical. There's a whole Bible book named numbers. So I'm telling you, God cares about numbers. Why does he care about numbers? Because every number means a person and every person means a soul. God cares about souls. You should care about numbers. You should care about whether or not there are people sitting in these chairs and there might be empty seats in here. That should bother you. And it shouldn't bother you to the point where you come up and say, Pastor, that bothers me. You should come up and say, hey, I'm going to fill that chair next weekend, Pastor. Just a heads up. That's on me. I got you. Because you're not here to serve me. You're here to help me. You already serve one God. Serve God. He's, God's great. Serve him. You're here to help the pastor, not serve him. So we have a vision here that should bother you. That chair should bother you. And if it doesn't bother you, you're worried about the wrong things. Some of y'all too, if, look, if the political world gets you riled up more than someone not sitting in that chair, you're, 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 your stuff's off. Your stuff's off. It's off. My, you know, can I just say, I didn't say this in my first verse, but y'all are like here and so you're trapped. So anyway, um, you know Somebody asked me, like, a big concern I have as a pastor. One of my biggest concerns is that there are more people being discipled by our news channels than, than by the Bible. And you believe, you believe with all of your heart and you fight with vigor about your political party, about your, your, ideal, your ideals and beliefs and what you believe is right for the, the world and America and the presidency. By the way... Just a heads up, go back and look at history. Not one government in the world ever saved anybody. Not, not one political party is the answer to this world's problems. You, we, 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 we got it wrong. You're too mad about the wrong things. Heart change. I'm going to poke you, okay? Heart change is what fixes people. Politics, by its very nature, goes after symptoms. Jesus goes after root issues. And so you'll fix all the things that bothers you and all your news political pundits say that you should be angry about and write your congressman. Those stuff gets fixed. The more chairs get filled, the more people find Jesus the more people find freedom, and then they discover their purpose, and then they make a difference. 
You hear what I'm saying? I'm concerned with the discipleship of the media and not the discipleship of the Bible. It's, it's, it's happening. It's happening. And, and if we're not careful, we won't make people take a step. So, so if the church must grow larger and smaller at the same time, we have to know what the purpose of each step is. Last week, if you didn't catch last week, by the way, if you're online or whatever, um, you need to go back and watch it. It'll give you an idea of what the weekend service is all about because we accomplished step one with the weekend service. And so if you ever go to a church, a lot of times what they try to do is put all four steps on the weekend. So they want you to get saved, and then they want you to get free, and then they want you to start a small group, and they want you to lead a small group, and then they want you to have two small groups, and they want to make sure you're tithing, oh, then tithing and offerings, and they want to make sure you're giving to the building fund, and make sure you can speak in tongues, and then make sure you got some blood, and there's some snakes over there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on on the weekend. They all want you to take every step possible. We're not like that. Weekend, you take one step. No, God, that's what we're about. What weekend, take one step. But what about the next steps? You're right. These are the other environments that we're talking about. We create other environments for you to take your next step, your second step, which is finding your freedom, which happens in smaller relational environments. What do these small environments look like? We want environments to, number one, environments to be biblical and to have biblical models and methods. Now, here's the funny thing about having a biblical model and method. If you really matter, if the Bible really matters to you, if you really care about this book and you really say that this is the thing we should follow and this is the word that we should live our life on, if you really care about biblical models and methods for smaller relational group environments, I'm going to read you a Bible verse that you should live your life on, okay? I'm, it, this is super important. It's a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church, that's us, at a city named Corinth about ministries inside of churches. This is what he says. He says, there are a variety of ministries. He said, but the same Lord. Then he goes on and he says, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works on all things in all persons. So I'll go to churches and they'll be like, you know what? The free market way of doing small groups is God's way. Yeah. And then I'll go to another church and they'll be like, you know what? We do sermon-based groups because it's God's way. Okay. And then I'll go to another church and they'll say something like, we just do like um, a, a book study because that's what we know is God's way. And so someone asked me the other day, what's, what's, what's one's right? Yes. Yes. But what, isn't one more holy than the other? Okay, Pharisee. Yes. What, you know, the apostles and disciples would argue about stuff all the time. And then somebody would be like, why are we making it hard? There's a variety of ways. There's a variety of ways that this thing's going to happen. And when you relationally connect and group up, God's going to move in different ways. And he's going to move with different people in different areas with different methods. I'm not married to a method. Married to two things, God and my wife. That's enough. I got my hands full. Don't need any more marriage. I'm good. I would hope that over time, our methods change so that we can actually stay relevant to people who need God. 
And so I'll hear people all the time, and this is, I'm telling you, if this sounds like a rebuke, it, it is. Um, it's, it, we've had people who, you, you pastor, we need to go deep in the word. The only good groups are when we actually open the Bible and we go into Revelation and talk about the scrolls. I'm like, okay. Um, I hear you. That is a way. It's not the way. Everybody say A. We're going to be A people, okay? We're going to be A people. We're going to commit right now that you don't look at other groups that just, in your words, hang out and eat and act like a small group. That sounds like an amazing group to me because I like to hang out and I like to eat. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were, they were telling me their story about their dad getting, uh, finding Christ. I said, how did your dad find Christ? He goes, man, he would never come to church. Never, never, never. We asked him years, years, years went by. Then he met a guy from our church at our house. We were having a good time together. He says, hey, man, I got a group that are guys that kind of connect and get together, and we just go ride our bikes on the weekend, our motorcycles. And my dad was like, oh, man, I got a motorcycle. I'll go ride with you guys. That sounds great. So he gets together with them, and they have one moment before they ride where they read one scripture off of this track. It's not even from an actual Bible. They say a five-second prayer, God, keep us safe. Help us to enjoy it. He did that for two months, and he gave his life to Christ. So I just want you to know, anytime somebody gives a box that God needs to work in, I get really uncomfortable with that. Because they say it in really spiritual ways. God only has got to move. He's, we're not going to let God move if we don't do that. All you told me was that your God is small. My, my God can move in anything. My God can move in a motorcycle club. So let's not be, come on, we're not married to methods because things are going to change. We're going to try different things. And if you love dart throwing and you want to put a group together, congratulations, you found the church, you could do that. And if, guess what? If you want to go into Revelation and walk out all the, you know, the dispensations of things, that's great. You found a church, you could do that. But we're not going to look at other groups and go, that's wrong. Because there's a variety of ways. We just ask all of our groups to have four things. We call it ESPN. Anytime you group up, whether it's in small groups or you get together, just, look, we want you to be encouraging. So don't be the guy that goes in there and goes like, let me just tell you why this world's going down and why you need to vote for this person. <laughs> Come on. We'll be encouraging. Number two, we, we need to have scripture. So, like, again, that could be from the, an actual Bible. It could be from your Bible app. It could be from a tattoo that you put on your arm. I don't care. As long as it's Bible, it's Bible. Read it. It's life. It's full of life, and it's got power. Number three, it needs to have some prayer, and then we need to have some next steps. Come on. We need to have to, if you put some of those things, that great. You're a group. You can relationally connect, and we hope you can do it. Go ahead. Go find freedom. Go find freedom. Number two is this. After I offended Half of you. I'm trying to go for everybody today. And number two, uh, environments where people can be secure. Did you know this, that the number one attack on the world right now is people's security? And it's all driven in fear. So everything you're reading about and what they're trying to influence you is driven with the hope that you're afraid enough to do what they want you to do. And so because of that, God wants to give you security, but he doesn't give it to you by saying, he doesn't give you security by saying, like, hey, just, just hang on. He gives you security through people. 
I'll read it to you. It's in Scripture. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed, okay? And then he goes on to say, if, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This is from Solomon, who's one of the wisest people ever. And he says, and a, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer three. Everybody say three. Three are even better than four. Triple braided cord is not easily broken. Do you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to get you to understand that if you want security, it's found with people. And if you continually live our lives, we continue to live our lives isolated and away from everyone, you're going to feel less secure. By definition, more fearful. There is strength in numbers. I was reading, I was watching something on like, uh, like Discovery Channel or something like that. And it, the guy was talking and they were showing the classic zebra and lion debacle, right? My wife's like, oh man, the zebras are going to get it. And I'm sitting in there going, all right, the zebras are going to get it. That's how our life is. And so um, so we're watching this and they, the guy says, he goes, he says, this is crazy. He says, as long as the zebras are together, they're safe because their stripes together confuse the lion. And it makes it look like one big thing that they can't attack. It messes with their eyesight. They can't focus. Therefore, they won't attack. They wait. This is what he said. They wait until one trails off. One person who thinks he's got it all figured out. No, I don't need people. I don't need the church. One trails off. Man, that looks good over there. The one trails off. Now nah, that, that pack offended me. I'm done. One trails off. Nah, I've gotten offended too many times. They've had multiple chances. One trails off. And, and then they said, it's almost like an instant the pack attacks that zebra. Death and life are found in your relational connection. And if, if we can't get in our spirit that step that we need to take, you're not going to make it to your next day. If you feel like you can't handle it, anybody feel like you just can't take it? You can't handle it all on your own? Anybody feel like that? So like, I can't handle it all on my own? You can't. Encouraging words with Pastor Aaron today. You can't. You weren't designed to carry it on your own. You're, you're not a load-bearing animal. You're a sheep. You're not an ox. You're not designed to carry that yoke. You're, you're, a, pack, you're a pack animal. You're, you're, design, you're designed that way. You're designed to be in groups. That's why um, the, the pandemic has been hard on a lot of people. You know, because it's isolated everybody. And I'm not going to get into the whether or not we should have done it or not. That's not the point. I'm just telling you the result. The result, inevitably, when you pull people away from each other, is unhealthy behavior. Is unhealthy behavior. We are designed to be in groups. Here at Rise, we provide you multiple levels and layers of relational groups. Um, we, we have groups, uh, small groups that happen on a regular basis. You can go to our website, risechurchtx.com slash groups, and you can get into a group. We have teams that serve here all the way around. If you serve in this church, raise your hand. If you serve in this church, raise your hand. If you serve in this church, you see we have teams all the way around. All these people serve on a regular basis so that you can be and have church. We have our Steps Ministries, which is our New Family Dinner, our Next Steps class, or our Lead Steps. By the way, if you have not been to a New Family Dinner, 
dinner in the last six months, which you're new in the last six to eight months, and you've never been to one of our new family dinners, we have another one coming up on the 19th of November, and I want you to be at it. So you just go to our, our website, risechurchts.com slash new, and literally you can go to it and sign up for it, or go to our information center, and they'll sign up for you to, right now. We, we actually, it's a, it's a small, driven environment. My staff is there. I'm there. We get connected, and you get to connect with other new people. Because you know the coolest thing about if you're a new person? You don't want to meet someone who's been here forever because they've already got their flow, right? You want to find another new person that hasn't figured it out, and then you guys create a new flow, and then you take over the old people who had their old flow, right? That's what I'm, I'm just kidding. Anyway, but just saying, like, you, you get together and get connected with other new people. You need to get signed up for that. That's important. And then our Next Steps class is incredible. Our Next Steps help you find what your next steps are in Christ. We have a, a, a ton of different ministries that you can get connected to here. And then our Missions and Outreach. We have a Missions and Outreach team that goes out monthly, and go serves together. And we hear great stories. And you know what they're doing? They're all grouping together. Why? So that they can actually find freedom. Amen? Amen. Number three is this. Environments where people are healed. And I'm almost done. Environments where people are healed. How many of y'all could say right now today, oh, just under God, you need healing somehow. I mean, just raise your hand if you need healing right now. You need healing. Raise your hand. If you're not, raise your hand. You probably don't know. But you need healing. <laughs> There's all kinds of healing. Physical healing. Emotional healing. Relational healing. Mental healing. Come on, spiritual healing. God heals people through people. James 5 says it like this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray, that, that, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Before this verse, he says, confess your sins to God for your salvation. And then he goes on to say, confess your sins to each other for your healing. If you need healing today, God sends people. He sends people. Stop praying to God to, to help heal you when God has already sent people around you to heal you, your spiritual family, to help you get the healing that you need. He wants you to get healed. He wants you to use people. That's where counseling comes in and therapy comes in and people come in and small groups come in and teams come in. One of the best reasons you should serve on a weekend has nothing to do with other people. It has to do with you because there's something that happens inside of your life that heals when you get around other people and you can stop saying you're blessed and highly favored when you ain't and things aren't going so good and there's a confession power that happens. There is power in confession. There's some religions who've got this right. They just got it wrong on what it really means. Confession should always happen between you and God for your salvation. God takes care of your sins. But I'm telling you, if you want to take care of your healing, you confess it with each other. That's why when you sat down with your best friend and you told him why your marriage was going down or you told her why you weren't going to make it in your relationship, there felt like a weight came off, right? You were activating the James 5 in your life. By the way, if you're a spouse, make sure your marriage is the safest place for confession. Don't make your husband afraid to tell you what he's struggling with. Don't make your wife fearful of what she's afraid to tell you what she's struggling with. That should be the safest area in their lives where they can come and tell you, I'm dealing with this. Will you help me? Will you pray for me? Not where you sit down and go, I told you you'd do that. You did it again. I'm out. You're threatening them. You're letting them know that they're hanging on by a thread. That's not where you deal with that. Come on, your, your marriage should be a safe place. If you're a parent in here, your kids should come to you when they do something wrong, not their friends. They shouldn't be afraid to bring up when they have an issue. If they fall, mom and dad should be right there. Hey, I can go to mom and dad. I can go to mom and dad. I know that they're going to be maybe disappointed, but they're not going to condemn me. They're not going to make me feel like it's unsafe. Make your family a safe place. Why? Because there's power in confession. There's power in confession. Don't take it from them. Should be the safest place. And the last one is this, environments where people grow. 
Environments where people grow. We want to create environments. We're talking about how we help people find freedom. We want to create environments where people grow. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. There's a power in getting around people who kind of push you. They kind of get in, they get, they get, you get around them and they're just like a little bit of like, and they make you push past where you would stop normally. Yeah. I, uh, the other day, I'll wrap up. The other day, uh, I'm closing with this. It's like my third close, right? Or something like that. Anyway, um, I promise I'm done. Um, I was at the YMCA and, um, you know, that's fine if y'all have your CrossFit flow and, you know, Gold's Gym and stuff. But, you know, I'm trying to reach the 75 and older crowd. So, you know, somebody's got to do it. And uh, so I'm in there and, um, you know, I'm doing my thing. And, and, you know, I have a flow. Anybody have a flow at the gym? You know, you get up, you kind of have your flow, you have your rhythm. I got a flow. So I walk in and, you know, I say, what's up to some people who know me? You know, what's up, Gladys? How you doing? You know, I just spreading love. They know me as pastor. So I walk in, and I get on the treadmill, and I'm on the treadmill, and I was like, it was cool because I was standing next to him, and, you know, and obviously, you guys know I work out, I mean, clearly. And so, you know, like, I'm sitting there, and I'm just, like, getting my cardio on. You know, I got to get a little bit of cardio before I start pumping the, pumping the weights, the iron, in the iron paradise. Start walking a little bit. Some guy comes up and gets next to me, and I'm like, you ever do that? Like, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I need space. I'm kind of thankful for social distancing because I, I get kind of weirded out by people. I'm like, I'm glad you wash your hands, you know? I got a germ problem. So anyway, so like, you know, he's, he's come right here and he gets next to me and, and I kind of like weirded out by it a little bit. And I'm just like looking at him. And uh, he starts, and he's at like, uh, I'm at like 1.5 or something. You know, I'm on like a stroll. Because <laughs> you know, I work out, I'm not really trying to work out to get I'm trying to lean, right? You know, I'm trying to lean up. I'm not trying to get, you know, muscle mass or anything. So I'm just going for it. Chilling, I'm walking. And he starts at 1.6. I'm like, no, no. This is not going to happen. So I go to 1.7. He moves to 2. And I go, well, this is how it's going to be, huh? 2.1. Now, this guy has got to be 47 years older than I am. So there's no way that me and my young, youthful muscle, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to let this happen. He goes to three. I go to 3.1. He goes to four. I go to 4.1. Before you know it, we're up at 10, and I'm running faster than I've ever ran in my entire life. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, like, I'm not a runner, okay? I get it. I don't have a runner's physique. I'm not a runner. I'm not running. I don't run on a regular basis. I never run. I walk. I brisk walk, and then I go to the smoothie station. That's where I go. So I'm running now at this point. This guy's running, and I'm telling you, everything that's inside of me, I'm running as fast as I possibly can. This guy over here is like, He's doing like a stroll. And I'm like, what are you? We're both on 10. And I'm like, I'm going to make it. And he walks off and goes and does a bunch of things. I hit that emergency stop button. You know what I'm talking about on the thing? Like where I didn't have the thing where if it like, if it took me, the thing would yank it out. I didn't have the safety thing. I had to stop and kind of roll off to the side. And I'm sitting there. I was sore for three weeks. And my wife asked me, she said, why did you do that? I said, because someone else was next to me. He pushed me more than I normally would. Now, now listen. As silly as that sounds, that's truth for a lot of us. Because you and I can get pretty lazy alone. But, man, if you get around the right people, they're going to push you. They're going to push you. And there's going to be some value in finding some people who can run at 10, even though you only run at 5 or 3.1 or 1.8, where I'm at. There's going to be some value getting some 10.0 people around you, right? 
And so surrounding yourself with the right people can help you find your freedom that you're looking for. And iron can sharpen iron. You can truly grow. What does God want you to do today? Does he want you to take a leap? No. He wants you to take a step. To summarize on what God wants you to do in this step. God wants me. God wants to help me to my future by healing my past. You know God, and then you find freedom. Next week, we'll talk about our next step in discovering our purpose.